John chapter 14, verses 12 and through 14, just a, a short passage this morning. Jesus had just got done talking about being the way, the truth, and the life. He's talking about uh, how could you be with me this long and, and you don't know that I am the Father and the Father is in me and uh, how do you not believe this? And, and then he answers to a deeper need in the disciples just like us. I think there's times where we, where we don't understand what to ask for. We don't understand what God is doing in our lives. We don't, we don't like what we see. We don't feel like it's going well. And, and sometimes we go with how we feel instead of looking to the one that knows how to answer the question. Because a lot of times we get motivated by our feelings instead of knowing the truth. And if he is the way, then we follow his way. And if he is the truth, then we live according to his truth. And he says, and in me, you'll have that life. If you, if you choose to separate, you may have a life, but I am the life. And if you want to have a life, you follow him. And, and even these disciples that are just like you and me, just normal people, we struggle because he gets the full picture and we don't. We're just kind of following and hoping that it all works out, and I don't know where he's going, and I don't really know where he's leading me, and he's talking to me about things when I read the Bible, and I don't really get everything he's talking about. And, and that's what the disciples are saying. How can, how can we know where you're going, and why are you leaving us? And he's like, I've been with you this long, and you guys don't get it. And then he lays something on them that's pretty cool, that can make us step back and maybe shudder a little bit, make us step back and even feel guilty if we're not careful, if we don't read this right. But join me there in verse 12, and this is what he says to them. He says, most assuredly, or have no doubt. Now that's the hard part, have no doubt. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this has been a huge hang-up and has caused weirdness in faith and weirdness in churches for ages, because you have to understand the context, because with the Bible, please hear this, context is everything. You need to know who he's talking to and why he's saying it, and is it pertinent for you today, or was this something that was already fulfilled, and you're trying to cling to a promise that's not even for you, and it's not even for today? But right here, we have this context that launched the whole name it and claim it type of mentality, and I wish that that worked. Wouldn't that be nice? New joints, right there, yep, woo, Range Rover, Range Rover, I just have to speak it, Range Rover. And it, and hear me, that there's a lot of stuff that happened, and, and I do believe that if we ask, God hears and God provides. 
but he always provides according to what is best for us spiritually. This earth is going to pass away, and all of our Mercedes and Range Rovers and nice homes will go with it, and these things aren't for us. They're not eternal. And so he doesn't have a lot of interest in that. Now, it doesn't mean he can't provide, and it doesn't mean he doesn't bless, but to ask for those things shows that our heart is off base. Because what he's really wanting us to ask for is greater things. Not great big things, but the greater things. Think about this. He says, you guys are going to do more stuff than I did. Now, that's pretty intimidating. I mean, here's Jesus that heals people and brings people back from the dead, and he opens blind eyes, and he does all these incredible things, feeds 5,000. The, the guy seems to have no limits, and what does he tell his disciples? I'm leaving, and you're going to do greater things than me. Now, that's a heavy task. And yet, the key is locked up in here within the Scripture that if we'll read it correctly, we'll have a proper understanding, and it'll ease the pressure and sometimes the guilt or condemnation, and it frees us up to understand why he said what he was saying. So let's read back through that one more time before we go on. So he says, have no doubt. I'm saying to you, now who is I? Jesus, our highest authority, right? So if he's saying it, we can count on it, right? He's not saying men say. He says, I'm saying to you, what's the first part? He who speaks, is that what he says? What's he say? He who believes in all right, now we're going to break this down just a little bit before we go on. What does it mean to believe in him? Just that he exists? Yep, there was a Jesus. Well, lots of people do that. Does it mean that you just believe that he said that thing? Or does it mean I believe what you say is true and I'm holding on to it? You see what I'm saying? There's a big difference between, oh yeah, I believe. There's lots of things I believe. Okay? There's lots of things you believe. But you don't put your full hope in eternity on those things. I believe there was a, a man called Muammar Gaddafi. But I didn't trust him for my future. Did you believe he existed? I did. I believe there was a man named Saddam Hussein. Did you know that? Did you believe in that too? Powerful man. You believe in on him for your eternity, your hope, your comfort, your joy? How about Kennedy? Billy Graham. Good men. Great reputations. But can we believe in them for all our needs? No. And do you see what he's saying? I've shown you the stuff that's happening here. I've shown you what it's like to follow me, but you're going to have to believe me that when I tell you something, it's true, and you're going to have to act on it. See, that's the hard part. We can believe that he said it. The hard part's acting on it, isn't it? That's why we always talk about this this time of year, you know, New Year's resolutions. And so I was talking with Tim and Dieter about this. It's like, we just need to make resolutions we can actually keep, right? This year I resolve I'm going to gain five pounds. 
Now, doesn't that feel better? Whoo. This year, I'm going to watch more TV. This year, I'm going to read my Bible less. This year, I'm going to be less kind to people. This year, I'm going to pray less. This year, I'm going to eat more. I mean, those are easy things to do, right? Because it doesn't require much from us. But he's asking, I brought you to this point, guys, and for you and I as well. I've brought you to this point, but it's going to take something more than you just watching me. I'm going to ask you to do what I've been doing. And not all of them did it, but they did do greater works like the book of Acts and spreading the gospel throughout all over Asia and Asia Minor. Then he moves on. Notice he says, the works that I do, if you believe me, you'll do too. This is another problem. We want to do stuff that he's not told us to do. If we'll just focus on doing what he asks us to do and what he commands us to do, we'll have plenty on our plate, but we know that those are some big things, and so we want to find other things to do. You want to see a different year? Do what Jesus did. Say what Jesus said. Pray like Jesus prayed. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see the results that Jesus got. But if we want to do it our way because it's easier, we want to do it this way because it's quicker or whatever, there is no microwave faith in the Bible. What he says. Greater works. And notice he says that their works are not greater thoughts. They're not greater hopes. They're not greater plans. The hard news of the gospel is it is work. You want to know what it's going to take in 2017 to see a different year? Work. Greater work than you did last year. Doesn't mean you have to work harder. Because the greatest work that we do is right here. Right between our ears. Fighting that battleground that happens right here that shuts us down, that turns us off, that keeps us shallow, that keeps us doubtful, and doesn't allow us to believe that if Jesus is in me, I have authority and power and I can do great things. No matter how I feel, no matter what people say, no matter what's going on, I still have that authority and that power and I just have to stop doubting. And that's hard. None of this is easy. It's hard, but it is simple. <laughs> and he did this to his disciples all the time. They said, people, uh, Master, the people are hungry. And he turned one time, he says, you feed them. Remember the story? Now let me lay this on you real quick. The guy said, how can I feed them? All we have is a couple fish and a few loaves. Can I tell you that the moral of that story is that God can do much with the little that we give him? Right? He didn't have to materialize the bread. He didn't have to materialize the fish. He didn't have to make them. What it took is us taking what we had and giving it to the master. And the little things we give him become big things. 
But if we can't give him the little things, the little things of your life, the little things of your wallet, the little things of your relationship, the little things of your marriage, if you can't give him the little things, they can't become big things or greater things. We want to hang on to those things and keep them close instead of saying, Lord, I can trust you. I believe you can do great things with this. That's what's hard. Then he goes on. Not only is he going to do greater things, he said, but you've got to understand, I'm not here to do it. I'm going to my Father. You're going to have to walk by faith. I'm not going to be here to say, okay, bring him to me. You remember that? There's times where he did that. Master, we couldn't cast out this demon. Okay, bring him here. And he handled it for him. I'm not going to be here to do that for you anymore. It's going to require greater faith. It's going to require greater works because I'm not going to be the safety net for you to fall back on. I'm going to my Father. But know that just because I go to my Father and change location, my authority and my intercession is still with you. Isn't that amazing? So just because I'm leaving, you don't have me here to follow and fall back on, but I'm still here for you. And so he goes on and he tells them, this is just because I'm gone doesn't mean that I'm gone. You just have to ask it how? In my name. And I think we've forgotten some of this aspect as well, that when we pray, and it's not a formula, and it's nothing mystical. It's just remembering who we're believing on for this thing to come to pass. If you'll believe in my name. I'm not here in body anymore, but you ask in my name. Now, here's the trick. Would Jesus do this? I'm going to ask him for something. Would this be something Jesus would heal? Would this be something Jesus would do? Would this be something Jesus would ask the Father for? That's what separates all that crazy name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, all that stuff. Because people would ask for things that Jesus wouldn't ask his father for. He's like, if you're going to ask it in my name, ask it like I would ask. Would I ask the father for that thing? Would I go to the father and trust him for this result? Would I have the faith to say, raise him up or tear this down? Or would I have the faith to go to the father in that? And you asking it in my name makes it like me asking. And therein lies the rub, church. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we should ask, live, love, pray, believe like Jesus. And then we see the power of Jesus in us. But if we keep acting like us, if we keep thinking, I just follow at a distance, I'm just in the dust of the, of the Master, let's remember that He's gone to prepare a place for us, and He left His desire and His will for us, you and me, to accomplish on this planet. And yet none of His power is diminished, but it's our distance our distance from Him, our distance from the Word, our distance from it that keeps us from doing the greater things. You have enough faith right now, because He says all it takes is the faith as like a mustard seed, right? You had enough faith this morning to drive through the snow, not knowing we might get stuck in the church. Now, none of you figured that that would happen, except for Caleb. I heard him say it this morning. It keeps knowing we're going to be stuck in the church compound now, that's faith right there. And some of you are thinking, good Lord, I, I hope not. But do you see what I'm saying? That the key 
is us not trying to get physically close to Jesus, but to get back to his word and act like it's real and it's true, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life that we should be leading. And he goes on. Look what he says. I'm going to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And that's the quantifier. Not just putting Jesus on there, but would you ask what I would ask for? Are you asking what Jesus would ask for? Now, why? Why put the quantifier? Read the rest of that passage. Because he wants the Father to be glorified, where it's not about you. How does God get glory when you get a new jet ski that you use to be on the river on Sunday instead of being on church? Well, I can witness to my friends out there. Liar! Or a big screen TV or this. I mean... All these material things that, how about, Lord, let your repentance fall on my neighborhood. Let there be such strong conviction on my life that my family feels it. Let there be such a godly way that I live. Not weird and not like some wacko person, but people just see that in all that I do, I glorify you. Now, that's a big ask, and that's scary because we're like, well, I I may not be perfect. He never said you had to be perfect, did he? But what if we shot for that? What if we aimed for living such a life that our whole goal this year was to glorify the Father in everything that we did, how we live, how we pray, how we talk, how we Facebook, how we spend, how we take vacation, everything, how we deal with other people. If everything that we did was to glorify God, would we do it differently? I bet you we would. But we have a tendency to want to glorify us and a tendency to want to downplay others instead of, let's just glorify God in all that we do. Then he comes back and reminds them again. There's a reason he keeps saying this again and again. If you just ask in my name, if you ask anything in my name, again, asking anything, that's what requires the greater works. You see that? They've seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him walk on water. And many, many other miracles. And he was saying, you've got to understand, if you'll just believe and you'll ask like I ask and want to glorify the Father, there's nothing that you can't ask in that context that I won't work on for you. But it has to be about asking in my name like he would ask and trying to glorify the Father. And he says, the key at the end, who does the work? Look at those last four words. I will do it. Now, do you see the strange thing that he just did there? You're going to do greater works. I will do it. Didn't that take the pressure off of you? (laughs) Who's going to do the greater works according to Jesus? 
I will do it, but you're going to be part of it. You're the physical touch point on this planet that when you ask, I will do it. You can't do it. That's what requires a greater work. So let's ask a couple questions here before we get out of here. What's your greater things? If he says you're going to do these things and greater, what's your greater things? Do you believe in him for a full recovery, a restored marriage, the fullness of the Spirit on your life, your finances, your children, your health, your future, your whatever the dot, dot, dot is? What is it that you're believing him for? And I've heard a lot of discussion on things like this, and, and I want to tell you this is my own personal, don't hold this to the Scripture or to theology or anything, this is my own personal observation. I've heard older groups of people say something like this, man, we used to see the power of God in the church, we used to see Him do mighty miracles, and I don't know what's wrong with the church today, and, and part of the problem with the church today is that we don't see the works of God. If we actually saw Him working, we might have people that would respond more. But how do we see him work more? Greater faith, living like, you see what I'm saying? You can't live like the devil and expect the works of Jesus to be in your life. But there isn't less faith today. Contrary to what the media says, there isn't less faith today. There's just less Focus. Our lives now revolve around us when a future a past generation got saved, came to church, and church and Jesus became the central point of their lives. And now somebody gets saved, if they are saved, and their life is about them, and there's a little piece of Jesus that kind of wanders around their life, and they call on him when they need him. Jesus hasn't changed, faith hasn't changed, but the focus hasn't changed. The same with these disciples. Jesus has been removed out of their midst, and they have to keep him central. That's why he says, ask in my name. I'm still doing the work, even though I'm not there, but you have to keep me central to why you believe and why you're doing it. What do you believe in him for? Secondly, are you doing his works? Are you doing what he said to be doing? We get all caught up in all kinds of things we could be doing. What did he say that we should be doing? I'll just give you a quick list. Just from memory, I'm not even going to take the scripture. Making disciples. Does that sound familiar? How about loving one another? How about forgiving one another? How about visiting the orphans and the sick and those in prison? Right? That's just a few things. How about sharing the gospel with all the world until all have heard? Right? I mean, that's just a quick five things right there. Now, the question is, are we doing His works? If we want great things to happen, we do His things. Does that make sense? Because if we'll focus on that, but we don't. And again, as a pastor, I hear these things, and I'm not going to rant to you this morning, but, you know, when people want to complain about 
you know, who's going to plow the parking lot and the heat was off and the lights were dim and the music was loud and the, you're off focus. You're off focus. If we'll be on focus, you'll have plenty on your plate. You won't even worry about those other things. But that's what is required. And he goes on. How do we do this? We ask great things in his name. I think we've been asking for two smaller things. I think we've been asking for two smaller things. Let me show you a physical representation of this spiritual thing. You go to Bill Gates, who is at today, as of today, the richest man in the world worth $89 billion. And you say, Mr. Gates, I would like some money for a charity, and I want you to know you can write it off on your taxes because it's a charitable donation. He's like, okay, I'm interested. You lay out your plan of how you want to do this and do that, and he says, great, how much do you need? $50? Now you think, he's probably got that in his, he probably doesn't have it in his wallet, it's probably all credit cards, but that's like loose change to him, right? But you know what he's probably going to tell you to do with your 50 bucks? Sorry. Now you start asking for 500,000, something that's an investment, something that's big, something that's worth his investment. But see, we're afraid to ask for, what would I do with 500,000? What would I do with 5 million? See, the problem is not the decimal point. The problem is how big a faith will you have? And I think we ask God for two smaller things. And I think we can start asking for bigger things. Why can't we ask him to bring people back from the dead? I've never seen it, but why can't we? I mean, are they going to get less dead? Might as well ask for it, right? If somebody's got a disease, why not believe, hey, let's go over there and pray for them and see if they get healed before they go to the doctor. What will it hurt? Will they get worse? Probably not. But see, we don't ask for those greater things. We're like, yeah, you know, if nothing else works, then we'll pray. How about we pray first and see the greater works of God? You see what I'm saying? If we're going to put him first and all these things will be added on us, how about we actually put him first back into our choice? That when I have a problem with finances, I don't go to the church and I don't go to the bank. I go to my knees in prayer. When I'm struggling with my kids and husband and wife and whatever I'm struggling with, instead of getting onto Facebook and instead of calling people to pray for me, what if I hit my knees and I go to God first to see greater things? My beloved pastor, he's almost 80. This year he'll be 80. But he grew up in a whole different era. And he grew up poor. And as a young man, he suffered with kidney stones, and they couldn't afford the doctor. And he said he would walk the floor and curl up in a fetal position and just pray and beg. But there was a whole generation that when bad things happened, they just stayed up at night and walked the floor and prayed, and God usually came through. And either it's going to get better or the stone is going to pass. <laughs> but we don't want to do that anymore. And I'm not suggesting, hey, just sit at home and wait for that stone to pass. That's torment. But I am saying that the mental process, the spiritual process, 
is we don't put God in that first place anymore. And that's what he was trying to tell his disciples. I won't be here for you to say, hey, Jesus, fix this. But you can ask in my name. You can do that today, too. It's the year 2017, and the promise and the power is still the same. We can go to him and ask in his name if it would be something he would ask, and let's give it up for him. Now, you know what's hard? It's sometimes he doesn't respond the way we want because God is not fair. He is just, and he is kind, but he is not fair. And I'll tell you one of the most troubling but incredible stories Right out of the Bible, he walks into the city, and there's a whole area, a whole, what they call a patio or Solomon's porch, covered with sick people. Hundreds of them. And he walks out in the middle of them, and he finds one man that had been there for 38 years. He said, do you want to get well? And the guy didn't answer and say, well, of course I want to get well. He gave a stupid response like we normally do to the questions of Jesus. No one's here to help me. No one's here to help me. That takes on many forms. It just sounds different. It's not my fault. Nobody helps me to the water. Jesus, with compassion, I believe, says, you don't need the water. (laughs) Take up your bed and walk. And then faith kicked in. Right? Right? What did it take for the man to, to do? Well, why don't you pick up my bed? <laughs> and why don't you carry me out of here? And he took up his bed, and he walked. Here's the great part of the story. And Jesus left the other hundreds of people sick. Walked out of the patio. Not because he didn't care, but he just help them to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Some said, man, look at him just leave us like this. (laughs) Or maybe some said, I wonder if I could do that. What if I can just get up by faith and walk out of here? You see, some people want a hand out and others just need a hand up and one requires faith and the other requires somebody else to do something all it takes is for us to say hey I'm believing on you for this last one on this if we're going to do something let's do great things for his glory not so the church grows not so our bank account shows it let's do it for his glory Let's do it so that when people ask, we'll say, it was completely God. And that's why I think we have to ask for bigger things. Small things, we get the praise for it. How about we ask for things that will give us zero fame, that will give us zero uh, notice of ourselves, but it gives all the glory to God. Then we're asking for big things. Then we're asking for great things. And remember, it doesn't have to be huge. A great thing can just be something powerful that God does. And you didn't. But you were just part of the peace. 
I think about the story when Jesus went into a house where a young girl had died, and he brought Peter, James, and John. He put everybody else out, because they were all crying and carrying on, and he said something crazy like, why are you crying? She's just sleeping. And they said he laughed him to scorn. They begin to say, ha, what? Are you crazy? Now that's faith. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Rabbi teacher. That he, she, she's dead. And he says, get out. And he brought Peter, James, and John in. He speaks to the girl. Little girl, arise. She opened up her eyes, sat up. Did he need Peter, James, and John there to do the miracle? Did he? Did he even need to go into the house? Because other times, he didn't have to even go, did he? He just said, your servant will be made well. Right? So do you think maybe, just maybe, he did it as an example for the future, for Peter, James, and John? Knowing that he wasn't going to be there the whole time? And this is what you do, guys. You come in, and you speak to the problem, and you have faith. And you ask it in my name. And you do great things. And a girl that was dead, he canceled the funeral and they had a party. That's a great thing. Whether the rest of the world knows it or not, but we give glory to God. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning. Somebody make note of the time. It's a miracle right here in 2017. It's a miracle. Day like today, the Seahawks might even win and the Patriots may lose. Here's what we're going to pray about here in a minute. He gave us a way to walk through this. Again, not a formula. It's not A plus B plus C. But we have to remember that it's in His name and it's in His power. And it frees us up. See, I think there's people that look at us doing the greater works and it feels oppressing and overwhelming. How can I possibly do more than Jesus? You can't. You just do it in his name, in his power. I will do it, he said. And we leave it to him. And if he heals, he heals. And if he doesn't, we still ask. And God gets the glory. So here we go. We have to understand we are not the source. He is. Now we're going to pray after all of these so that we get it into our brains, okay? So let's pray right now, Lord, you are the source of miracles and strength and hope and the big things I ask for. I don't have to do it. You are the source of the work, Lord. And we declare it and we will accept it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how hard was that? That's tough because... Our human flesh wants the glory. We want somebody to say, you got to call. you got to call Johnny, man. He, the last time he prayed for me, my asthma went away. you got to call Johnny. And you don't know. Maybe you do. You've seen ministries that started in the power and the name of Jesus Christ, but before pretty long, it's their ministry. And it's their vision, and it's their... And then pretty soon they're asking you 
to fund their ministry. When it started out small in the power of God. And we are just the vessels that he fills to do the work. He's the one that does the work, not us. Secondly, we are the hands for the works. We are not the works. You got it? We're just the hands for the work. We're not the works. He does the work, right? And that takes all the pressure off of us. I've prayed for people and they've gotten better, and I've prayed for a person and they've died the next day. So I've got two choices. I get afraid that if I pray for the next person, they die, or I keep praying because I leave it in God's hands. Right? So when things don't look good, if it's beyond hope, there's no reason not to pray. Right? The problem is we make prayer the last thing we do. We've even said this. And we've got to change this, church. Well, the least I can do is pray. At least we can pray. It should be the opposite, right? The best we can do is pray. The most we can do is pray. I can't do the work. I can't fix this thing. I can't render a miracle, but Jesus can through us. Do you get it? We've got to stop bringing prayer so down on the list. Prayer should be way up here. This should be our go-to. Right? So let's pray, Lord, we're just the hands, we're just the vessel, flow through us so that we can do great works for you. It's not about us, it's not about our power, it's not about our spirituality, it's not even about our church, it is about you and we want to point people to you. We are not the works, you are the works, we're just the hands that get laid on as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thirdly, Jesus is in heaven to intercede, lend power, and encourage us. Right? He's not still in the tomb. He's up there and even told them, I'm going away so that I can hear you and I will go to the Father and whatever you ask in my name. I mean, we've got a direct line. Isn't that nice? That should help us. I can call on him anytime, anywhere, any place, for anything according to the right context. And understanding that even though he's not right here, and this is for a sermon for another time, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, his deposit in us. That is the God in us. We are not little gods, but we have God in us. Our power and our works is in the believing and the asking. That's where the work comes in. We have to believe, and we have to believe enough to ask. If it's not important enough for you to pray, it's probably not too important. But if we're really going to pray, then let's really believe that God's really going to work. And that means we keep praying until we see it happen. Church, we give up on prayer way too quick. Keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And either until you feel the peace and it's released from you or you see what happened that you're asking for fulfilled. 
Because if it's not enough to be persistent about, it's probably not too important. Just like the story about Bill Gates. That's way too small an ask. Fifty bucks does nothing for my tax status, thank you. Ask me for something big. And trust, I'm going to bring you the money. You don't have to come up with the money. I've got the money. I've got the power. I've got the healing. He says, ask, and then he will do it, and then we leave it to him. Instead of trying to weasel out, well, in case this doesn't work, don't open that door of doubt. Just pray believing. That's what the Bible says to do. Pray believing. Right? The fervent righteous prayers of, or the fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. And do you think that the early disciples said, Lord, raise this child up from the dead, but if she doesn't get it from the dead, then we're going to understand that, you know, maybe she needs to go see the mortician and maybe he'll... And we do that all the time. Now, again, you've got to make sure that you just pray believing and leave it there. Leave it in God's hands. You're not responsible for the outcome. You're not responsible for if anything happens at all except for you to just pray. And every one of us can do that. You don't even have to pray out loud. Isn't that great? He didn't say you have to pray out loud. He said you don't have to pray in a different language. He didn't say that you have to pray some flowery prayer. Just pray believing. I think we can all do that. And last, it's in his time. It's in his season. It is his work. It's his glory. And it just requires our faith. And sometimes it requires greater faith to wait as God begins to do a work. Instead of seeing it right then and there when you've got to go back to your knees again and say, Lord, it's me again. Lord, I know you haven't forgotten, but it's me again. Lord, I'm still praying over my kids because I haven't seen the change in them yet, but I'm still praying, I'm still believing, and you got to do the work in them. Lord, you're the one that can fix my marriage, and God, I'm here again. And, and sometimes that requires greater faith. Sometimes we think great faith means just asking once. Well, I just have faith to believe. I see in the Bible that persistence pays off. Persistence pays off. So let's pray about that. Lord, we're going to come with big prayers, but we understand it's in your time. It's in your season. Lord, it is your work, and it will be for your glory. And there may be times where you say no, and we have to have the faith to accept it. But Lord, our faith needs to be increased to ask. So, Lord, I pray for greater prayer, greater praise, greater healings, greater signs, greater wonders, greater relationship, greater hunger for your word, for our church, that we can do great things, not to be made great, but that you may be made great in this next year to come. God, I pray for greater opportunities, things that seem small, that turn out big, that we can't even believe, just the smallest things that turn into something incredible. Lord, keep our eyes open to bring you glory, and then you begin to work in us. So God, change our eyes, change our ears, change our hearts to believe great things that you do the work in your time, in your power, and for your glory, God. And it'll free us up from the fear 
of not asking, the fear of asking small, the fear of worrying about the outcome. But Lord, we just turn it completely over to you. In Jesus' name, amen.